Hi everybody and welcome to this, the ARC360 podcast in association with I Love Claims and supported by our corporate partners BASF, BMS, CAPS, Copart, Emacs, Integral, Enterprise Rent-A-Car, Nationwide Vehicle Recovery Assistance, S&G Response and Sherwin-Williams Automotive Finishes, as well as our partners, the Green Parts Specialists in DASA and the Innovation Group. So after persuading multi-fix auto UK site owner Sam Smith to join me on our recent ARC 360 webinar uh, to talk about his multi-million pound new site in Leeds he and his father Stephen are developing, I cheekily seized my moment, stroke twisted his arm further to ask him to join me on my latest podcast and thankfully he's agreed. So spoken with typically straight talking Yorkshire honesty, what we have is a thoroughly entertaining insight into his journey from a car washing teenager a travel industry computer programming expert and he explains why he turned his back on that sector to concentrate on the family business. Sam readily reveals the secrets behind his continued success on why simplicity is the key to a harmonious and productive team, shares his thoughts that a frenetic some would say busy body shop isn't good for business and explains his firm belief on why people shouldn't deviate from their task in hand. Oh, and he also talks about celebrating a problem in his quest to cultivate a unique working culture. Yeah. All right, so welcome everybody and thank you very much to Sam Smith, a multi-site Fix Auto franchisee, I think that's fair to say, and also part of the uh, Fix uh, Management Committee, is that uh, the correct terminology? National Leadership Team. National Leadership Team. So, so uh, yeah, also a part of the uh, National Fix Auto leadership team there. Uh, joining us today, did a great job on the webinar last week, so the 16th of September. I was intrigued to uh, to find out more about, uh, about Sam, about the business, and about his philosophies on the industry right now. So uh, so welcome, Sam. Oh, hi, hi Mark. Thank you for uh, for inviting me on. Yeah, um, yeah, really interested. Really enjoyed the conversation the other day. I think we could have could have spent a whole session on, on any one of those topics, really. I think it was a really interesting time at the minute and uh, with lots of things going on. Well, that's exactly why we wanted to follow up with you uh, in earnest. So uh, for those who um, didn't tune in, and, and I know there's there's far more to it than your brief introduction on the webinar, can you give us a little bit of a background into, into Sam Smith, the, the person, your your background, and also the business? Yeah, sure. Yeah, sure. I've, I've been involved with uh, with T.S. Smith as a family business all along. Um, uh, I, I did used to work there at the weekend, uh, cleaning cars and, and when we were just at the site in Cross Hills, doing weekends and doing school holidays and things like that. So I've always sort of been involved with the business. As we've expanded and we've looked to do different things, I've been the one trying to help do the contracts, put those together. And then I then went to work for a different company altogether. I went to work for a company called Welcome Holidays. I started to get involved in a completely different side of it, dealing with travel and tourism. Uh, and I really enjoyed doing that uh, and worked there for quite a few years. And at that point, I really got into doing software as well. So I used to work in the IT department. So I'm a programmer by trade, if you like. So I, I utilize those skills in, in analytics from the, the travel and tourism side. That industry has lots of similarities to this industry, unbelievably so. It is run very heavily on numbers. And you could run a trend based on when people would book. And I think those trends follow all the way through that analytical ability is, is useful in, in the motor trade as well, uh, seeing where the trends are, not just in, 
in your own workings and making sure your business is profitable, but in also being able to follow where accidents happen and how many they occur and the volumes. So I worked there for, for quite a few years. Uh, that business was sold. We then started up a new company, again, doing holidays to Ireland. Uh, and I sort of joined up with a few other, other people from, from Welcome Holidays, just started a really small business uh, and started writing the reservations tools and software for that business. So that was brilliant, just growing with a completely new, new company, a total startup, and worked for there for, it would be about five, six years. And I've always been working with T.S. Smiths as well in the background, you know, helping dad out and things like that. It was, it was always dad's business. And then at that stage, when I left uh, Imagine Island, as it was, and then came to work full-time for, for T.S. Smiths, because I felt uh, it was getting a little bit to the point where we could go one way or the other, we could expand it and make it bigger, or, or we could go, you know, keep it small and, and, and uh, keep it just for the one site. But we decided we'd, we'd make a bit of a, an attempt to make to grow it and make the business stronger. We felt there was lots of interesting things we could do. So I started working full time in 2009 for T.F. Smiths. What a backstory. That's really interesting. And do, do you think there's a, you know, a lot of kind of those skill sets that you, you learned in your, in your previous life that you've, you've kind of bought with you and utilized in the, in the new world? Yeah, absolutely. I think I think all businesses. It doesn't matter how how different what whatever they're selling. It's a very similar thing. Um, I remember somebody telling me it doesn't really matter what it is, but the but the mechanics are all the same. I think you've still got to have a real interest in the product, though. I think it's really it, it's it's true that all businesses run similar sort of methodologies and similar sort of ways that you can run it and looking for for, for profit and loss. But I think you do have to understand your product really really well. Uh, in order to get the most out of anything. You can't just apply the same sets of rules to anything and expect it to work. You have to know your product. But yeah, so, so analytical skills, definitely. Programming skills, definitely. I, mean, I don't think nearly everything we do is IT-based now. So being able to write your own systems and control that has just given us real control as a business when you know we do, we do our own management system. So we're able to uh, adjust things on the fly. So if we, we want to put a, bit, a more of a focus onto one certain part of the business, we can adjust the screens accordingly. And very much everything we wrote in the past when we were working for the for the holiday company, it was all about stripping everything down and making it really simple. We didn't want systems that had hundreds of screens and made it really complicated and, and you end up being a, a jack of all trades and a master of none. We, we sort of want to strip back as much as we can to make it simple as possible so that you can get whatever it is you're doing done as easily as you can. So it's usually you just want one way to solve each problem rather than having multiple ways. So having that ability to be able to change the system around us has been really, really good. And we've worked with some really good people as well in, in the industry. You know, we've got you know, people behind with CAPS and Active Web and, and Outer Text. They've all been really helpful in helping us connect to their systems. You know, I, I don't, I've never met anybody who hasn't in this industry. It hasn't been really helpful, really friendly, been really good at what we've been trying to do. It's just interesting. And, and, and the more you sort of look into it and the more, more you get involved with it, it's interesting the new things you can build on the back of it as you go forward. I'm sure it is. And I'm sure that's a world that's uh, evolved rapidly as well in, uh, in recent times. And uh, I imagine it takes some, some, quite something to keep on top, of, uh, on top of developing, really. Oh, it does. It is, it is a full-time job in itself. Of course it is. Uh, and, and running a business as well, it gets harder to do. You, you can't really do, you know, back to the, trying to be the, the, don't want to be the jack of all trades and master of none. You need to make sure you focus on that one thing. And yeah, definitely as we're starting to grow now, I do have a, another programmer that, that works, works with me. 
and, and without her, it would be impossible to go forward. But I can see now things change. It's like anything, you, you're growing a business, so you're trying to do lots of things yourself to save yourself on costs. Sometimes you have to. But there comes a point where you now need to go, this is now breaking me. I now need to make sure we bring somebody else in to help with that role so I can now carry on running the business. Otherwise, you end up trying to do everything, which is a horrendous place to be. I know, because I've been there before. It's not pleasant. You need to make sure you, you're able to look inwardly a little bit at where you are and how pushed you are as a person. Are you now giving it your best? Well, if, you, if you're not able to focus on the business completely, then it's that time to bring in help and uh, bring in new people, which I know is hard to do because you always feel like you're the best person for the job. You've got to be able to give these things away. You've got to be able to delegate these things away uh, whilst keeping, keeping a hand in and, and seeing and planning it out and strategizing. I, I find that more interesting, that the more you move into strategizing it, the more you feel you can actually get done. It's like bringing the programmer on board. So I've been, been a programmer all, all my life and, and, and you always feel like you're the best person to do the job. But actually, since bringing Laura into this, who's our new programmer, I've actually really enjoyed specking everything out rather than having to write it and then giving that along to her and then she can build it uh, and just finds it really interesting and then just, just cracks on with it. So it, it, it does work. It's just a question of letting go a little bit and, and you end up building a better future. Really, really good insight there. And I'm sure there's uh, lots of lessons we can learn from that across all walks of life. I'm conscious not to turn this into a Fix Auto advert, but uh, I'm sure Fix would like that, Ian and uh, Rob there. But uh, What's the impact been of, of joining Fix Auto on the business? Well, we've been with Fix for a long, long time now. Uh, must be 13, 14 years. I think we were shops seven, eight, and nine. Or we were selling single figures anyway when we, we joined. We, we've gone through lots of changes since then. Lots of, lots of different things have happened. And it's always been really good to have, have a community that's closer to us. Fix has been really useful in having a pool of people you can always ring and ask questions of that's in, within your industry. I've always found it's best to grow by looking at other people uh, and seeing what everybody else is doing. It's best to learn from everybody else as much as you can. It's really easy, I think, in, in any industry to end up just blinkered just to just you and what you're doing and maybe reading about a few other people, but there's, there's no, you know, no comparison with actually making touch people and, and ringing them and getting to see them and, and going to see other, other businesses and how they operate because you just get a real feel for different ideas. So that, that's been one of the biggest things about being part of Fix for us is that, that sharing of ideas and interacting with other people. Great stuff. And you're obviously in the process of building a, a brand new, and again, the first amongst the uh, Fix Auto UK uh, network. Uh, so a brand new build. So just tell us a little bit more about that as well. Yeah, so uh, our new Leeds site. We originally moved into Leeds uh, 2015. We didn't have any working leads. We just brought over overflow work from our existing site in Bradford. And, it, and it's sort of, sort of grown and gone from strength to strength. So we decided we really need to get another site. And, uh, and in Leeds, it's been really hard for us to find another location. We managed to find somewhere, but of course we've had to build it because it's just a brownfield site. And so that meant we had to then rent somewhere else, and which wasn't ideal, but we needed the extra space. We're hoping that come November, we'll have a new building to move into and we'll be able to move into there, which is really complicated, isn't it? We, got, we had an existing site in Leeds, which we then mothballed, which we're now about to reopen next month. So we'll end up with two new Leeds locations uh, and hopefully able to grow and, and utilize them uh, in the best way. And and is there anything, you know, markedly different about the, the new build? Has it allowed you to do anything in terms of, you know, what you've been thinking a body shop should be like uh, in, in the past? Yeah, I mean, our, our old philosophy looking at processes and looking at how you run a business is simplicity. 
So we just want the simplest sort of solution. So this is literally a rectangle. It's literally an in and an out with lots of space, really easy to see from one location in the building. So we don't have any, any hidden zones, any places that are around a corner that you can't quite see anything. So you can stand at any place in the shop and see everything else. I think that's important. Uh, I think it's important you don't make the thing too huge and too silly massive. I don't, I don't particularly like massive shops myself. Some people it works well for. I prefer to keep the thing at a relatively small size because it's easy to manage. I think if you have a smaller number of vehicles that are alive as, at once, you can get those vehicles through in the shortest amount of time and then bring the next chunk in. So you're running the conveyor belt all the time. Uh, and, and whenever we've put more vehicles and more and more vehicles in or overloaded anything, the whole thing would just collapse. So it's really important you stick to a really rigid set of booking in, booking out, and monitoring the amount of time that each vehicle goes through the shop as well to make sure that you don't, you don't upset that balance, you don't upset that conveyor belt. So really new leads is just about a simple, simple location, nice and clean, nice and straightforward that should help us become more productive in what we do. It's obviously, uh, what should we say, uh, been a rocky road in 2020. That's probably an understatement from me. Obviously, we are where we are. So coming into 2020, what were your kind of general observations of the market? And having been through these you know, testing times of late, has, has anything changed in relation to, to what you kind of see or how you envisage or feel about the market? I think, I think you're probably getting more things going to fewer spaces. I do think there seems to be a reduction in that capacity. So we're going to have to be better at doing what we, what we do in terms of being more efficient in what we get through. Not necessarily more efficient in, in getting more labour or anything like that, but more efficient in the whole process of getting the vehicles through the shop and getting them through a good quality so we're not getting anything coming back and, and making sure that, that conveyor belt runs really, really well. And that was true at the start of the year as much as it is now, if not more so. I think the things that are changing is that the world is becoming more app-controlled and more app-orientated. So I do see that move at some point to the whole claim being controlled through an app and that the customer will be able to control the whole thing from their phone. I think that will happen. I think that's going to make it easier for the customer to get their vehicle through and get what they want. And we can also build on services as well. You know, we already have people with solutions that are sending out links to, to customers to put images on to help with the repair. But not only that, but also to put things on for possible for other retail work they might want doing at the same time. So building that all in and removing the barriers to getting the car repaired as quickly as, as, as possible. And well, the next step will be booking it, booking it in. Uh, and making sure that even, they can even see when the car is going to get picked up and manage the whole claim from their phone. So I think that will happen more, that it will get more more app eyes, if you like, uh, as we go forward. We've got the obvious change with EV coming in, that's just going to get more and more popular. Um, so again, back on the focus on training, making sure that we've got all, all of our team ready to be able to tackle that in the best way and, and look at training as a whole as well. That's the other thing that will change, I think. I think we're going to have the situation where uh, how we build our teams and staff, that will alter because we have always... I think, I think the body shop industry has always been sort of looked down on as not the ideal career path. Other things have been preferred. If you want to go to university, you want to become a doctor, you want to do this other thing, you want to become a solicitor. It's sort of looked down on a little bit, but it's a fantastic career. It's a really solid career. It pays really, really well. There's some really highly skilled people in this in this industry from the technical side all the way through to the management analytical side. So it definitely is going to get a, more of a PR polishing, if you like, to make it more of an appealable job to get to. I think that's down to us. We have to do that. I think we have to build better links with, uh, with colleges and with schools to make sure that we pick these people that have got a real affinity for, for the technical side because they are out there 
they're definitely out there. The kids are definitely out there. It's just they don't necessarily know we are here. So we, we have found them. We have found these people. And when you do find them, they're, they're incredibly good. They're absolutely brilliant. You know, you can get somebody to, that's an apprentice to, to a really sophisticated panel level within 18 months if their attitude is there. So there are some real stars. It's like building a football team. You're scouting out for these, for these new talent coming forward and making sure you look after them the best way you can. And it's not just those guys. It's your existing team as well making sure that we've, we've got the, the training um, for them so that nobody's left stagnant and everybody's continually being improved. So I can see that altering. I can see us growing our own better and getting more into getting the talented people from the schools and from the colleges through and looking after them and putting them on training programs that are quicker than the traditional three-year program to get them up to speed and get them, get them good enough for what we want and building on that. So the real real focus on, on growing your own and building your own team and looking after your own people, that is definitely going to be something that changes going forward. Now, are you, with your thoughts ar- around that, are we, are we still... You know, kind of, kind of fishing in the same pond, so to speak. Are we, are we still talking? We're looking for people with an interest in in cars, or are we kind of much broader than that now? And we're looking at specific. You know, we've talked about programming skill sets, for example. You know, what are your thoughts around that? I think you've always got to be as open as possible. Whenever we go and recruit for somebody for any role, um, so so be even in, in body shop reception, if you like, we don't go out there and go, can we have a body shop receptionist? We're, we're going out there asking for anybody that's got any sort of customer handling skills. It's always been important when you're trying to employ somebody new that you, you're open to as many people as possible because you're looking for the attitude, the right attitude and that keenness and that enthusiasm. Yes, you obviously want to give them a broad brush of where they're going to be. Are they going to be based in an office? Are they going to be working technically with the hands? Is it going to be programming? Is it going to be analytical? But keeping it open uh, as much as you can. I think it will. I think we're not just going to schools asking asking for, for technicians. Uh, we, we're building a path into other things as well as, as they ask what we do uh, and showing them what else we do do. I think that's always surprising that we're not just a garage where do you work? We're in a garage. And so a garage has just got all these different connotations attached to it, uh, which it just, it just isn't anymore. There's, there's just so much more to it. There's so much more depth. So yeah, I think you're right, Mark. I think, I think we're, as, as we go forward with this journey, yes, we're looking for technicians initially, but I think as, as colleges and schools get to know who we are, then they'll hopefully pick another people. They might go, well, this person's really analytical or this person's really interested in building apps. Would you want to have a conversation with them? Because we're growing those teams all the time. The software side is, is, is really interesting. You know, all, all, the, all the, the toys you can build on that are just fantastic. And because everything's web-based nowadays, you only need to change it in a few places and it affects everybody. You know, no longer do I have to go around all our techs and change the software. I mean, it used to be you'd go around everybody's desk and everything and install a new piece of software or even just dial in and update it manually. Well, all that's gone now. We're just updating it in one place and, and across the board, you can have everybody logging in at, at once and using your new screens and using your new tools. So yeah, it's, it can become a real springboard to, to all sorts of, attracting all sorts of other talent. It's just really interesting right now. It is a really interesting and it's a, almost like a, a self-fulfilling prophecy in the sense that, you know, it's almost like feed, feeding you as a business, potentially new ideas, new ways of doing things. And it, as you say, you know, as we arguably become more sort of in the consumer line, limelight as, as businesses, it's going to take these, you know, potentially marketing gurus, those who are great on social media channels and things to um, 
propel businesses in the right direction, I suspect. Yeah, that yeah absolutely. I think that's backing just keys into where we are. We fix again. They're, they're looking at the marketing side as well and look at the social media side as a whole division in itself, isn't it? Making sure you're protecting all these different streams, your Snapchat, your Facebook, your Instagram, all these things uh, and keeping an eye on it. I think without some like fix there as well, that would be really, really hard for even a business of our size to look after all the time. And, and I think it's good that they do that because it makes sure we keep a unified message across all the branches as well. You know, it's like YouTube. We've got Ranjit doing some, uh, um, down in Fix Auto Slough, doing some YouTube videos for um, people that are upgrading their cars. I think it's a really good idea. That's something that's really popular now, uh, is everybody going onto that and getting getting thousands, thousands of subscribers. What a great new way to get people in, especially into, into the retail side of the business. You know, there's all, always exciting new ways of doing it. You're not limited to just running an advert in the paper anymore. You've got all these new things. So I think rather than be overwhelmed by it, you've got to look at it and go, right, don't blow your mind with it. Just pick one thing you think you're going to do well and have a go at that uh, because it really is a really, really good opportunity to, to expand anybody's business depending on what they want to do. Absolutely. And I think that probably is the key is, uh, is focus on one thing at a time and, and try and get that bit right before you get uh, too inundated in terms of trying to cover all bases. It's an interesting one. Now on the webinar, we spoke about, uh, you, you talked about centralization. So kind of a key part of kind of your process and your philosophy there. So that's, arguably been accelerated by a period of time due to obviously the the pandemic situation but mm. how else have you turned the recent disruption into into an opportunity for the business i think lots of businesses do as they get to a certain size do then decide to do that go down the central route it just is easier to uh to, to look after the work the, the other the other big thing from uh, from the events of covid and making sure people can't meet up it's been better using video calls as well so using things like like zoom google meet that's been a, a real assistance to us for looking after our management teams and looking after other teams of people as well that can't wouldn't have normally met up before across different sites. We would have a situation where if we wanted to go around and, and instruct new anything new from a management point of view or from an engineering point of view, we'd have to go down around to each site and go through the, the changes of the processes, or we'd meet in a hotel and take everybody away for the morning and go and do that. Now, those things are still useful to do, the face-to-face, but the video has enabled us to do this maybe once a month now and do it for 10, 15 minutes. You know, even if it's something that's just quick and just, just doing a quick summary with everybody, doing the video call is, is easy because you can go in, go through everybody. You can record everything. That's really good. And away you go. So one of the things that we're trying off the back of this is engineering through through the tablet. So all our technicians have got Chromebook tablets. So they're all using the G Suite software. So what we're trying now is when we've got a technician that's stripping the vehicle is that they can, with a Bluetooth um, earpiece, literally go around the vehicle straight to our central engineering and go around the car. The video cameras these days in, in really good tablets are fantastic, so you get really good resolution. Assuming you've got a really good broadband connection, of course, you can go through and do an entire video of the whole vehicle, record it, so that's powerful as well. So once our engineer, the other side, has gone through all and, and created that assessment, if they want to go back through and have another look, they can just play it back. And they can play back through the recording all these assessments that are going on all this looking around the car i mean that's great evidence for what we're trying to do and, and it's also brilliant for teaching you can see what we're literally in detail what the vehicle has gone through from it being stripped all the way from it being rebuilt as we pick up the video and pick up the stills so that's been really good and it all going into one place as well so that that's just been really useful to uh, to build upon and we've still got a long way to go with that lots of new things that we can put on it can make it uh, useful more useful for what we want that's really interesting to hear. Dare I say it, but potentially long overdue within the industry. It's great to see that it's progressing in that fashion. And, and what, you know, what a great source of evidence that you have for every job that you do. So we're at the midway point and I hope you're enjoying this one as much as I did. 
Uh, a huge thank you to our corporate partners, BASF, BMS, CAPS, Copart, Emacs, Integral, Enterprise Rent-A-Car, Nationwide Vehicle Recovery Assistance, S&G Response, and Sherwin-Williams Automotive Finishes, as well as our partners, the Green Park Specialists in DASA and the Innovation Group. Hope you enjoy the second half of the podcast. Tell us more about your process because you are very, very process driven. You know, you're, you're a big advocate of keeping things simple, getting things right, ensuring that everything's in the right place at the right time. So just explain more about how it continue. That whole process continues to impact on your business. Is it right or are you always kind of tinkering? How do you review things? Is it every few months, every week? How does it work? The process is built from looking at uh, lots of other shops that have, uh, that have done similar things or slightly different things to us, and we're trying to build what we think is the, the best solutions for us. So we've, we've visited some some really good good businesses and some uh, been really helpful in, in in trying to see what help us. We're trying to define the best process as well. I think the industry is is a very community based industry. People are wanting to help one another out. I think as long as the distance is great enough and nobody feels there's any direct competition, I think you definitely get that. So yeah, so we. We're always wanting to make things as simple as possible. What's the most basic? What we're trying to do, we're trying to repair a vehicle. So what's the easiest, quickest way of doing it? That's our starting point. So we start with a, what do we want? Not how it is, what, what do you want? How do you want to end up? What do you want this to happen? I want, same with programming. What do you want this screen to do? What do you want this software? Not, not what we're stuck with, not what it is now. What do you actually want? Let's start with what you want, and then we'll build it around what you actually want. So I think you've got to define what it is you actually want to get out of it. So we want to get this car through as quickly as possible. Because it's really interesting if you look at the shop as it's run before you apply, we've all got processes, but before we try and make this simplified process applied, you can see... There's a huge amount of noise in everything we do. If I write down, I was just doing it the other day, I'm writing down the tasks I want a body shop manager to be able to do in a site and repair a car. I think I came to five things. There's only five things I actually want you to do, but there's so many other things that are filling these people's days that are not part of these five things that we're paying you to do. There are these other jobs coming in. So it's about making sure people can identify the noise from the process. And as soon as they start doing something that's not on the process sheet, they need to ask themselves, why am I doing this? Is, is this to at least make a note of it? And then you can refine that and then bring that back to us. So we are feeding back all the time to improve the process, to try and make it simpler. But you usually find it's, a, it's, it's just what you try to do is teach people to notice the noise and then get rid of that noise. Is this something they should be doing or should this be somebody else? So if we've got a body shop manager dealing with an issue with a customer, should you be dealing with that? Or maybe should it go to front of house and, and let the claims team deal with it? I think maybe it should go there. And, and a lot of this just comes from people trying to be nice. Uh, oh, it's all right. I'll do it all. I'll do it now. Don't worry. Give it to me. They need to stop doing this so that they just stick to the tasks that they've been given so they can become master of those tasks. Uh, and then everything becomes simpler. The entire business changes when you're on top of it from, from a volume point of view and getting the vehicles through. As soon as you get a lower key to key and the cars are going through, it just becomes a totally different business. It just becomes so much easier. Customers are so much more, so much happier. Everybody sort of de-stresses a lot more. It almost seems like you're going slower as well when you're walking around the shop. It's a strange thing. And I, and I don't think, I think it's a real trap if you think, if a shop's absolutely chock-a-block and there's loads of invoicing to do and everybody's, and everybody's going crazy and people are hanging out of the window, that is not a good thing. Even though it might look busy, there's cars everywhere, and you might think traditionally, oh, great, I'm busy. That is really not what you want, personally, I feel, anyway. You want a simpler, easier life. And the best way to do that is to strip everything back to basics, make it really simple, and then build it up from there and avoid as much of the noise as possible.
it's like, it's like the systems that we're using, you know, even with the Chrome OS and the Chromebooks, anybody could really do this. The machines are really cheap. The software is free. And yes, I'm a programmer. So yes, we're writing some of our own software, but you don't have to do it that way around. You know, you can use things like Dropbox, for example, for keeping all the, the business the business files unified and keeping it all together so everybody can just drop those in. I think that's something like, I don't know, it's maybe a hundred quid a year to do. So these things are all really, really low cost. There are lots and lots of really good off-the-shelf solutions. Like iPads, for example, we use base iPads for people to do checking sheets and send them back to base. So we're using Gmail to send the email out from the system. So that's, uh, you can get, I think it's like a four pound a month system per user. They're then drawing on it with their, their pens on their iPads because the iPads have got really good integrated software for drawing on PDFs. They're drawing on that. That's all free. And they're sending it back to our central office with it all signed off and it all ticked on. And so they've got an iPad with a SIM card in it. So they're able to do this when they're out and about. So all the paperwork is sent to the driver and it's already got back before the driver turns up. And all that really costs next to nothing. It's an iPad and it's a £4 a month per user subscription to Gmail. And you don't have to buy any additional software. So there are lots of... Um, of ways you can do this without being a programmer or, or, or doing anything super technical. And I'm really intrigued on that, on the piece you said there in terms of not saying yes to everything. And do you think culturally that's got to be integrated into the business in, in terms of people understanding, again, you've said it yourself, their main job role, but also probably more importantly, the bits that sit around that, that act as the distractions and being able to kind of, you know, say no and pass them on perhaps to a team member. Is that difficult to establish that kind of culture internally? How do, how do you get to grips with that? Well, the difficult things is making sure, and it's back to a fixed auto um, principle as well, making sure everybody's aligned. Uh, and it's something that we're going on about quite a lot in lots of team meetings at Fix. We make sure everybody's aligned. And at the time, you start listening to it and going, well, you know, everybody's aligned. We're repairing cars. I don't know what you mean. What you're it's, it's really important that everybody all the way through the business knows exactly what it is we're doing. And it seems so ridiculous, doesn't it? You think everybody would know but they just don't. So the process guide we have is, is literally two pages of A4, and that's for everything. That's from it coming in to it getting, getting, going back to the customer. So we give that guide to everybody. So people then go, well, I'm only doing this bit. I don't need to know the rest of it. No, 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 you do. You need to look at everything because I want you to be interested and see what everybody else is doing as well. So you understand where you fit into everything else. But you have an ability to understand what's not your bit, but not go, well, that's not mine. I'm not touching it. You're still working as a team. You're still trying to help people out. And we're not putting people into silos. We're having them understand everything, but understand that this is the bit that you're responsible for. So just focus on this part here. Do that one bit really, really, really well. But then feed back to us what you think other things we could do with the process. It's like technicians. So technicians, what we want technicians to do is repair a car. Repair the car in the safest, best way. So safest way, uh, most efficient way, and make sure you record everything that you've done. You know, make sure we do, do, do the job perfectly from that point of view. But the technician might start getting involved in the hours. They might start going, well, there's not enough time on this. This needs to have more time. You know, that's not really their role. That Their role is to make sure they've got the images so the engineering team can get all of those things. So it's about now saying to that technician, I know you think you're helping, but you're not. So keep your offer out of this side and you focus purely on your bit. I will worry about whether the hours are enough later on because that's when me, I will go to engineering team and say, okay, let's see what the hours are um, for these jobs. Have we done this correctly? Have we, have we made sure there's no leakage for both sides of the coin? Have we done the right repair for the right job? Don't worry about as a technician. As a technician, I just want you to do a fantastic repair. I want you to make sure you get lots of images, detailed images, so that anybody can work through the, through the assessment at the end to make sure that you've justified everything you've done on that vehicle. 
but then just become really good at that. So we're, we're, it's a journey, like anything. So we're taking people from, from an old world where they've, they've sort of been involved in lots of different things to ask them to specialise in just one or two areas, but become good at those areas and give them the tools to do so. So that, that we're right at the start of that journey. It, it, it is a real challenge getting people to do that, but I think it's just a case of you've got to keep going back. It's a rinse, wash and repeat. Keep going back and going back to the process, remind them what they're doing, trying to help them, bring them back to what the goal is, what they're trying to achieve, and then identifying the noise. So they don't feel they're getting overwhelmed by the noise. And we do what we can to take that noise away and put it into the right place. You know, a lot of these things, a lot of these things, people are dealing with the symptom and they're not looking for the root of the problem. So they're looking at the, the thing that might have gone wrong at the end, but actually what caused that going wrong? Is it that we didn't take the correct picture? Is it we didn't identify the right repair? It's going back to the root. So when something's gone wrong, it might have gone wrong and you're trying to protect it as much as you can and, and it's, in, in it's um, you know, trying to lim damage limitation as much as possible. But there's so much that can be learned from that mistake because you can go back and fix the root of the problem. And if you can knock off the root of the problem, you kill the, you kill the whole thing. There's a really good book, Black Box Thinking, goes through all of that. And, and that just shows how in the airline industry, that's what they do. They're really open about those things. So whenever there's a problem, they celebrate the problem. They go, yay, that's fantastic. You found something that breaks it. In fact, I've just done it now on, on our system. There's been a guy uh, at work has found a way to completely delete jobs out of our ADAS screen. Which you don't think it shouldn't be possible to do. Now he's found it, I can box it off so it never ever ever happens it happens again. So it's that that constant improvement process, finding the problem, but instead of attacking the symptom, attack the root. That's another thing that's important. And then you will make it really clean. You will eventually get rid of ninety percent of the noise. It'll become simple. Great trend I've got. Black box thinking Matthew Syed, isn't it? It's, that's uh, it. It's a great read. Well worth, well worth looking into. Just again, going back to kind of people culture and, and building on that a little bit, we, we talked about uh, growing your own people and almost taking a sort of more holistic career approach to working within, within the business itself or, or any repair, modern repair operation. How, how are you kind of going about that? You've already touched upon some elements of it, but, but how do you create that kind of structure for somebody coming into the business for them to see that bigger picture perhaps? You mean when they when they start with the business? You mean if they if they're coming in and they're already picked for a role? Yeah, yeah, or or even creating it for for those who you're trying to attract. Yeah, uh, when people start, what we're what we're building now uh, is is like a pack for them. Like I say, we'd, we'd give them the process sheets as well, and we'd explain the full process, even though it wasn't necessarily all the things they'd be expected to do. What we're trying to do is make it so that people feel as involved as possible, um, and we really value their opinion. So the other thing that we're doing now is making sure, and this is this is an old thing, but it's something we've never really done properly before, and it's making sure that we do everybody's one-to-ones. Team one-to-ones are absolutely critical for building a successful team, I think, and that's by getting getting the management team to make sure that they talk to their members of staff on a regular basis different for different members of staff and different routines maybe six monthly 12 monthly or maybe some bi-monthly depending on what they're going through if they're a new member of staff monthly doing that for the first six months just to give them the 10-15 minutes or slightly longer they need to discuss what they're doing review where they are quick review what the business where the business is so that they're kept involved with everything uh, I think that's absolutely critical because only then can you tailor things to the needs of the individual member of staff. You, you then can tailor the training correctly. You can then ask them what problems they had this week. Now we do do this on a, on a weekly basis as well within a quick 10 minute meeting with, with production teams, but some people are not happy about talking the group. 
not everybody that we employ uh, is really skilled at speaking in front of everybody it's just not what they do and that's fair enough so the one-to-one uh, gives them an opportunity to under no pressure just say exactly what they think and get that feedback back into the management team so we can grow uh, and it's that, that those are the bits that all make it really interesting those are the bits where we might be able to pick something that's a good idea and feed it back and improve it for everybody even if it's something really simple like the guy that's just broken the ADAS screen so you know we can feed that back in we can we can fix it and so that people it's people that have to have that problem going forward so it, and also feedback we have for all other bits of software and things that we use uh, there was a thing on a screen where people thought we might accidentally end up deleting an attachment for notification so we've changed it we've moved it to a different place so you've got to keep having that that feedback loop of, uh, of positive feedback that's constructive that lets you improve things and i think you're doing that as well you're teaching people to be constructive in their replies so you don't want to be a massive morning session about what's crap what doesn't work it's about teaching to be constructive in, in, in what they're what they're feeding back i think that's key uh, having that that one-to-one and making sure that at the start they're given the full information of what happens with the business as a whole you're forever trying to stop people ending up going into silos so you're trying to keep the keep the links open all the time so they feel they can they can talk to anybody in the team and again that's another that's another little aside with the g suite thing everybody can just log on and do do a g suite hangouts message instant messaging session or even any even a google meet call with anybody in the business at any point you can click it and run it just like a phone call and because the technicians have all got tablets now you know, in the past, the technician wouldn't have a PC, would they? They wouldn't be a part of this. They actually all have the same stuff uh, that everybody else has. In fact, everybody in the business has got, got a Google account, so they can all talk to each other. And I'm trying to get that going. What would be really nice if you got to the point where a technician in one side was maybe stuck with something, but knew a technician on the other side was really good at this. Well, if they could just press the button and just do the phone call straight through and then just do a video call, that would be incredible. Uh, we're not quite there yeah yeah all the technologies there it's just encouraging people to just think beyond the site so that would be really nice to see yeah there's there's so much more we can do with this well it certainly sounds like you're on the right track it sounds like you're ingraining or if not already got ingrained a great culture there so uh fair trying to work in progress so in in terms of the business you know I, i suppose you know most body shops live and breathe the same thing to a certain degree you know what are the key metrics within your business and to you and beyond you know, obviously making a profit, which is not a bad word. Everyone should be making that. What indicates your operations are on the, you know, you're on the right path? Obviously, profitability is always going to be the key metric for any business, because if you're not profitable, you're not going to be here. Um, So you can't serve all the people that are working with you, and you you certainly can't serve your customers if you don't exist. I think it's about making the profitability in the right way. So what we're trying to do is make sure, like I say, we're trying to make the right repair for the right job. I think there's, there's, there's an optimal repair for every job that we do do, and it's making sure that we've justified that in the right way and, and done it sensibly. And I think that's what makes the whole thing interesting. Everything is slightly different and uh, and you're trying to look at it in, in what's the best way that gives value back to the customer. But yeah, you, you've got to maintain profitable. And I think you, if you do that in the right way, you will be profitable. You, you will be profitable. And as long as you keep an open dialogue with your customers as well so they understand whereabouts you are, you can share that data. So yeah, I mean, other things like, like the key to key, again, is an old, old metric, but it's really the speed of, key to key speed of the conveyor belt. And the speed of the conveyor belt needs to be as quick as you possibly can do it without breaking anything. Again, we're back to the, what we find is that the less vehicles, the less you've got on site, the faster it tends to go. Quite a lot of people in the past have gone, I want as many cars as possible on site so I can pick from lots of different things. You, know, you have that silly thing where you might have a tech who decides they want to work on five cars at once. Like in nobody's world is that efficient. But it might be efficient for that one person, but it isn't for, for the rest of the conveyor belt. And it's making sure you've got that conveyor belt working right all the time. 
So I think the key to key metric is really useful, but you can't take any one in isolation. It's got to all work together. But I always found if, if, if the process is running really quickly, but you're still making sure you're getting all your, getting the, the pictures and the images that you need, right repair for the right job, it all builds on that. That is the heart of it. And it all builds on that and grows from there. You know, the traditional things are making sure you keep inventory low, throughput high and costs down. You know, they're, they're the three key things that I think you would pick on to keep any, keep any business, especially like this, running smoothly. And the fact you're trying to keep it quiet and you're trying to keep it not too many things live at once means you have the time to go and look at these things. The more it gets overloaded, the more people are encouraged to do things quickly, might miss a picture, might not do this correctly, they're rushing it, might make a mistake, you have to now do it again. It encourages all the wrong thing. It's like the parts department getting, getting filled up with parts. You really want parts department with no parts in it. That's the key. Make sure as few as possible. So you forever trying to keep everything simple and light. And that's what you're telling everybody. That's what you're telling your manager team. That's what you're telling your technicians. I want your life to be easy. I genuinely want your life to be easy. I want it to just be really simple. I think that's another change that's coming as well. It's a matter of hours people work. I think that will look to reduce. I think as we go forward, people want to, want to work less hours. But I think there's a motivational thing there. I think if we can informing, I like to inform the whole team of where they are in terms of what their key to keys are, what the life cycle is, where we think they are as a business and, and how profitable we think they are and what they're getting through so that they can see that they can understand what we're trying to do, the, the daily target of cars that we're trying to get through. They need to own that. But they also need to be able to see then, well, actually, if I can get this daily target through, I could go home earlier. I don't want you here particularly 47, whatever it is, hours a week. If you can do the whole thing in 30, that's brilliant. We're not here for, for the sake of being here. We're here to make this process work for everybody. Um, we're not here for, for any, any reasons of pain or suffering. We're here to try and make it enjoyable and fun. And if you can get the, all this done in, in less time, let's hear about it. Let's do it. You know, you can sometimes look at look at the shop floor and you can go, well, actually, how do I motivate everybody? How do I inspire everybody to to, to motivate themselves? And I think that's something that we're, we're always looking at. Uh, Mike Monaghan, I know, has got some really good ideas on that. And he's doing some really new sort of innovative stuff there uh, that we're going to be working together with him on uh, that I think is really important for everybody to, to understand. But if we can inspire, sometimes it's simple motivation. If the motivation is, well, actually, we can get home early and get paid the same, Let's do it. Why am I going to mess around and, and talk to that guy over there? No, let's get this card and let's get it through. The key statistics, are the key things you follow, key to key, profitability, um, but it's about sharing that information with the team as well to try and at least motivate people, inspire them to, to get to those targets in that much easier way. And what I've deduced from that is, uh, by the sounds of it, you're kind of working on the belief if you've got happy people, you've got a good business. And that's a great thing to hear. And look forward to seeing the results of, of yourself working with Mike. Uh, he's doing some fantastic job, fantastic work out there in the industry. Oh. So just to round out the interview, really, what does a, a perfect, and I'll use the word claim, but you might call it customer journey or repair, look Excuse like me. to yourself? I don't think it's such a thing as a, I mean, you could, okay, you could say the perfect claim is that the, the vehicle comes in, we strip it. And it's, an, it's a really good from a repair point of view. Customer's really happy all the way through. Everything's really easy. You're not looking for the perfect, for perfect claim. You're looking for what's a perfect process for dealing with that claim and getting that through. So it's about how can we build the perfect process or you're never going to get perfect. How can we build the nearest perfect process? You know, don't disappoint yourself. <laughs> if you get the nearest perfect process to deal with any claim that comes through, even the really challenging ones, 
And it's the really challenging ones that the ones that we shouldn't be shying away from, they're the ones that we're going, actually, this is the thing that tests it better. These are the things that test the process. Because if we can build it so that we can, we can solve this problem claim and this difficulty, then when it happens again, it won't be a problem. So again, you're still looking for that feedback of the things that might go wrong or the things that are more challenging. So I don't think it's about the perfect claim. I think it's about trying to build the most robust process to deal with all the different claims that come into the hopper. And what a way to round that off. So always welcoming a challenge. And it was, uh, it was just as well you do for when I dropped that uh, email to you and said, uh, do you fancy doing a podcast with me? Because yeah, you've you clearly risen to the challenge quite comfortably. <laughs> Sam Smith, thank you very much indeed for your time. And I know this will go down a storm uh, within the industry and obviously amongst the Fix Auto Network as well. So uh, really appreciate thank your you. time today. And uh, it's pleasure. good to catch you up. Absolute pleasure. Thank you very much, Mark. Really enjoyed it. No problem at all. Uh, just a quick fire question round for you then, Sam, which we uh, use uh, to round off the podcast. So if you weren't heading up uh, three, soon to be four fixed auto sites right now, you would be? I'd be a programmer. I'd write games. That's what we're doing. I'd be writing computer games. Uh, it's something I've always been interested in. Uh, and always been the thing that I would do again. It's completely different again, isn't it? But I'm quite, you know, well, I'm quite interested in gamifying what we do, uh, and I think I think that's what it is. I try to treat it as a massive computer game. It's a mass, it's a massive uh, a simulator. But yeah, that's what I would do. Uh, it always really intrigues me is, is computer games, people, you know, things that were addictive and that people make people do things and watching processes. So yeah, I'd, I'd be doing that. I always like that. Best bit of business advice you've ever heard, seen, or received? Yeah, it, it was um, somebody, somebody said to me, I think, don't ever take yourself seriously. When you do, that's when everybody else starts to dislike you. That's really important, is, is, is don't disappear too far up your own importance. You've got to stay humble and you've got to stay learning. You know, with Clive Woodward, hey, it's another fixed thing, fixed concept. Be, be, don't be a rock, be a sponge. You know, you've got to always be a sponge. It doesn't matter how old you are, what you've been, what you've seen, what you've done. You must stay in that ability to, to, to learn as if you're a beginner. So I think that's the most important thing. And finally, this one will be interesting with your programming uh, background. So self-driving vehicles for you, yes or no and why? See, is that yes or no as in would I like them? Or is that yes and no as I think they'll be successful and will we'll, we'll arrive? Would, you, would, would Sam Smith quite happily jump in one? <laughs> yeah, depends what mood I'm in. Yeah, I think if it all worked, it was absolutely fine. Uh, and I wanted to get somewhere and I couldn't really be bothered. I think I think that's, oh, everybody's in that mood at some point. Yeah, just drive me home. I've had a really hard day. Just take me home. I'm not really bothered. You know, maybe go via the KFC or whatever. Um, but then, of course, there's those days when you'd love to drive. And I think you just, it depends on the mood of the individual. And hopefully, we always have that, that interest in people to drive. Because go forward a few generations, you may find that people aren't really bothered about driving. The whole thing might shift. Because I think you sort of think of it from your own point of view and you go, oh, I know everybody will always want to drive. They want to do it themselves. I just hope that people, people always do what they enjoy. And I, don't, well, I hope that the enjoyment of driving doesn't disappear completely. And I don't think it will. Not for a long, long time anyway. Well, you've got both bases covered anyway. Programmer, automotive, <laughs> so you'll be fine. Yeah, no, I, think, I think it's going to be a while before you have true self-driving cars. That doesn't worry me too much. I think that's a long way off. Oh, yes, indeed. Well, thank you very much once again, Sam. It's been great to uh, catch up with you. That's okay. Thank you. And so there we have it. I uh, hope you've enjoyed this one as much as I did recording it. A fascinating insight uh, from Sam. And uh, it's just uh, really great to talk to people so openly uh, and candidly about their businesses and also to obviously to gain their insights and experiences. So huge thank you to Sam for taking the time to join us on today's podcast as well as the webinar in the week. Uh, and once again, 
big shout out to our corporate partners BASF, BMS, CAPS, Copart, Emacs, Integral, Enterprise Rent-A-Car, Nationwide Vehicle Recovery Assistance, S&G Response and Sherwin-Williams Automotive Finishes as well as our partners the Green Parts Specialists in DASA and the Innovation Group. This has been the ARC 360 podcast. We'll look forward to catching up with you soon.